Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. All right, come on, who's excited to be at church today? Come on, are you glad to be here? <laughs> We're going to get into the message in just a moment. Before we do that, uh, a couple of things. Number one, welcome again to our brand new home as a church. We are excited to be here. We're excited that you are here. And come on, you look good. Look at the person sitting next to you say, you look good today. You look good today. I want to welcome those of you that are watching online. We are glad that you are along for the ride. And a couple of things really quick before we get into the message. Uh, our mission team, many of you know this, some of you don't. Our mission team is actually leaving. Uh, we'll finish church here, and then tomorrow morning at 5 a.m., we're going to be at the airport, and we're flying out uh, to, to head to Virginia. And so we'll be there this next week uh, doing ministry and projects and loving on people and uh, we're praying that God is going to have divine appointments. Come on, do you believe in divine appointments? That we're going to encounter people that, uh, that need to know the love of Christ, that maybe don't know Jesus at all, or maybe they're going to hear about him for the first time. And as, as a way of doing that, we're going to be completing projects and building fences and, 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 and doing different things while we're there, but at the same time praying for hearts to be open and receptive and uh, for our eyes to be open. Come on, we got to have our eyes open so that we can see God moments and God opportunities. And we can step into those to love on people and share the love of Jesus with them. And so I want to ask you as a church if you would pray for us this week while we're flying there and while we're doing ministry and VBS and uh, ministering in a, a church that's in that area and loving on people and doing projects and all of that. That you would pray for strength and pray for our eyes to be open, pray for divine appointments and that uh, that God's gonna that God would do what only He can do, that we would just be used as a tool, that we would be used as His hands and feet to go into a part of our country and make a difference. And so that's what we're hoping for this week. And then I want to take just a moment, uh, be a little bit different. And I promise we're going to get into something that the Lord has put on my heart today. But I want to take just a few moments to recognize uh, the fact that we're we're not in this facility uh, just by happenstance. That there were a lot of people. A lot of people that put in hour after hour after hour after hour after hour to make this possible. And I think about our iKids coordinators that are back there. Come on, when you pick up your kids today, will you say thank you to those that are serving to teach and love on your kids and your babies? We do take that seriously as a church, and, and we don't want to just, just watch them, but we want to love on them. We want to instill value in them we want them to know the love of jesus even at a young age so they're getting they're having times of worship they're having times of of being able to to play but having also times where they're learning the word of god and how that applies to their life and so we believe that there's a good foundation that's being laid in their lives but there are so many uh, of our iKids coordinators that have been up here hour after hour after hour wiping down toys setting that come on setting things out of uh, out of boxes and putting things together and, you know, organizing rooms and hanging things on the wall. And we had, there were people up here uh, that were up here almost every single day that were hanging. Come on, 
hanging speakers and, and setting out chairs and wiping down walls and so many people that I can't even go through and name everybody. I know there are some of you in our church that uh, you, you know, you, your contribution was that you could do certain things uh, to make certain things happen, and, and uh, we're so thankful for that. And I do want to take just a moment and recognize um, a, a couple of people specifically. Well, first of all, I want to say uh, thank you to our elders uh, who who saw the vision here and uh, and helped make this a reality and believed in it and and helped us move this forward. But two people in particular. The first one, uh, he he doesn't he doesn't like me to do this and wouldn't want me to do this. But uh, there's there's one guy who has who has been a tremendous. I can't even tell you how big of a blessing he has been to our family during this process and during this journey and during the whole construction project and everything else. And uh, all of the calls, all of the decisions, all of the th- all of the things, all of the text messages, all of those things. And so I don't know, he was in here in the first service. I don't know if he's still here in this service or not, but come on, will you help me and will you honor Stephen McIntyre today? There's so much, there's so much that, that you see and so many details. Come on, let me just tell you something. You don't realize how many details there are in something like this until you get in the middle of it. <laughs> and you're like, we got to decide on what? <laughs> you know, like, I don't even know what that is, right? But he, he has helped so much with all that stuff. And then last but certainly not least, the person that I want to honor is sitting right down here on the front row. And uh, it's my wife. And I was thinking back uh, before, before church today. And I was thinking about, it's been almost seven years ago, whenever we were having conversations, asking the Lord, what is it that's next? We felt this call to, like, okay, there's something, there's God's doing something, and what is it? And he began to kind of unfold that in our hearts and let us hear and let us to, to plant and to start this church. And just all of the, the blood, sweat, and tears and all of the hard times. And all of the good times, and especially over the last three weeks, <laughs> she has put up with me over the last three weeks and all of the things uh, while we've been prepping to get in here. But I cannot say thank you enough to you uh, for being by my side and for helping to make a reality. She has done more um, over the last five, six, seven years than you could ever imagine. Um, and even getting us into this building, so many little details, so many things that, uh, that you know, may have gone unthought of that are, are so important that she has taken care of in this process. And so, come on, will you, will you help me, and will you help me honor my wife, <laughs> Amanda Miller? <laughs> Believe me, I know I would not be standing here without her, so, <laughs> so she is important. Um, I want to I want to jump into uh, really a word that God put on my heart for this Sunday in particular, as this is our our opening weekend, if you will, for being in this building, our first services, and and as you look around, it's amazing. You know, you walk through the doors, you pull in the parking lot, and you think about. I was thinking about it again this morning when I got here early, and and just all that God has done, and He has been so faithful. I mean, He has been so good and so faithful. And as we begin a new chapter, if you will, I know we use that terminology a lot, and, uh, but it really is. It's almost like a new chapter. It's, it, you know, we're the same church, and we're still heading in the same direction, still have the same vision, but it's, it's a new place. It's a new location. It's a new, 
Uh, it's a new milestone. It's, a, it's new in people's eyes in this community even. And so as we, as we enter into this new phase and this new chapter, this new season, if you will, I think one of the most important things that we can do is to identify what we want to be known for. Because if we don't identify what we want to be known for, if we, don't, if we don't set our sights on it and we're not intentional about it, then we'll drift into things that we don't want to be known for. And we'll lose our focus and, and we'll be known for things. And one of our values as a church has always been that we want to be known for what we're for, not what we're against. So we want people to know, like, this is what this church stands for. This is what they are for more than what we're against. Come on, how do you know somebody? You know what they're against. <laughs> right? You can turn on the news. You know what everybody's against. But we want to be known for what they're for, what we're for, and not what we're against. And so as we, as we look around and we see the, all that God has blessed us with, um, it's important for us to, to remember who God wants us to be as a church. And so today I want to talk to you on this subject. I've simply titled the message, if you're taking notes, Consumed. Consumed. How many of you have ever been consumed by something? How many of you have ever been consumed by someone? <laughs> I looked up a, a, what I think is a great definition to describe what it means to be consumed. To be consumed uh, in your life, it's to have so much of something that it affects everything you do. If you are consumed, it means that you have so much of that thing that it affects everything you do. So, if you've ever been consumed, right, anybody ever been consumed by a person? We talked about this several weeks ago when I was, you know, making jokes about relationships and things like that. And you've been consumed, and it affected everything that you did. You canceled stuff so that you could be with them. You rearranged things so that you could go where they were going. You know, like you, you, made, you made shifts and changes. You ever been consumed by other things in your life, right? You've been consumed by work. Like everything revolved around work. You, you were consumed. It affected, you had so much of that that it affected every part of you. And that's what it looks like. That's a picture of what it looks like to be consumed. And I think as a church, we're sitting in a brand new building and everything is fresh and everything is new. But we're going to have to be consumed by the right things. And we're going to have to be intentional to be consumed by the right things. Because it's easy to drift and be consumed by things that don't really matter as much. And they may not be bad things, they may be good things, but it's easy to drift and not be consumed by the right things and to find ourselves consumed, and then we look back and we think, how did I get to this place? How am I so consumed with this? How did I lose my focus? How did I drift off, and now I'm over here in left field, and I don't even know what side is up from this point forward. We have to be intentional about what we're consumed with, and so I think it's important for us as a church to define a couple of things that we want to be as a church, and it's our prayer for you, even in your life and your, your walk with Christ, is that you would be defined by these things. And so today, for just a few minutes, we're going to answer one simple question, and it's this question right here. What kind of house do we want to be? We have to define what we want to be known for and what kind of house that we want to be. That when you, when you walk through uh, the store, whenever you are at work and somebody discovers, like, oh, you go to Impact Church. Oh, you're a part of that body. Oh, that is, that's so cool. Like, what is it that, you, that we want them as a church to think, to know, to even experience in that moment that you encounter that person and they hear the name of our church? What kind of house do we want to be? We have to define it or it will sneak up. One, one thing is, 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 when I think about this, I think about culture. 
And one other, a better way to say it might be like, what kind of culture do we want to have as a church, as a body? What do we want the culture to be? What do we want to be about? And, and culture, there's always a culture. You either create the culture or the culture just happens. And we want to be intentional to create the right culture and to, to, for you to have the right, the right uh, things that you're consumed with in your life so that as you are the hands and feet of Jesus in the community, that, that, that we are the house and that you are the family and that you are the person that God wants you to be defined by. And so here's point number one today, just a couple of things that we're going to talk about for just a few minutes. Point number one, what kind of house do we want to be? We want to be a house that lasts. We want to be a house that lasts. Not something that's here today and just gone tomorrow and, and passion was here today, but it's gone tomorrow and fire was here today, but it's gone tomorrow. No, we want to be a house that lasts forever. From now until Jesus returns, we want to be a house that lasts. And I want you to think for just a moment about I have, I have a, a piece of wood here and a piece of paper. And I was thinking as I was preparing for this, the difference, I want you to think about the difference between this piece of paper and a piece of wood. And believe it or not, this, you know, I get, I can kind of nerd out on things. I like to kind of dig into things and, and, and know like random weird facts sometimes. Anybody else like that? And so I was studying, I was looking into like what is the difference between how paper burns and how wood burns? Because here's what we know about, about paper and wood. First of all, this came from that. So paper came from this, you can light this on fire, right? Are you with me? I mean, we could take a match right now, and we could light this on fire, and this would burn, and this would put off heat right here in my hand. I mean, I would be able to feel the heat coming off this paper. We could take this, and we could light it on fire as well, and we would feel the heat from it. So there are some similarities is, as in paper and wood, but at the same time, there are a lot of differences. And so I want to point out some of the differences as we go through this point today about being a house that lasts and how paper burns, I found this interesting that a piece of paper will catch fire pretty quickly. We know this. I mean, you can take a lighter and you can light this piece of paper on fire in just a matter of a second or two. And it will produce heat. It will produce warmth. But what I find interesting about that is none of us are thinking about our fireplaces or having a campfire and thinking, you know what we need? Like, whew, I'm kind of cold. Like, can we just gather up all the paper? And just burn all the paper so that I can find warmth. Paper will provide warmth, but only for a moment. And it quickly goes away. Uh, it's estimated that the hottest part of a paper fire is around 1,600 degrees Fahrenheit. That's pretty hot. 1,600 degrees Fahrenheit. And then generally it takes a piece of paper, what, just a, a few seconds, just a moment to completely burn up. If we were to light this on fire... It would just be a matter of a few seconds before I had to drop this or it would burn me. This is going to burn up fairly quickly. Wood, on the other hand, if you look at how wood burns, wood begins to burn at about 572 degrees Fahrenheit. So you have to heat it up quite a bit before it will catch on fire. This is why some of us get so frustrated whenever we're trying to light a real fireplace. Or, you know, if you're like me and you're like at a cabin or you're out back and you have a fire pit and you're trying to light that thing on fire and you're trying to be strategic with it, you know, it has to get to a certain temperature before it will actually catch on fire. As the wood burns, the gases that are in the wood, they raise the temperature. You know, they can raise it to up to about 1,112 degrees. 
And so it goes from like it ignites on fire and it's at a certain temperature. As it begins to burn, it gets hotter. In fact, it, it about doubles in the heat temperature. And then when the wood has released all of the gases, the charcoal and the ashes that it creates burn at about 2,012 degrees Fahrenheit. So the longer it burns, it seems like it gets hotter and hotter. This is why you ever been around a fire, and at first it felt good while you were standing there. Then after, you know, several minutes of standing there, you kind of, <laughs> you take a little step away, right? You know, it's like, whoo, you know, that felt good at first. But the longer it's been burning, the more wood has been added to it. Like, I need to take a step away. I need to take another step away. Because it continues to get hotter and hotter and hotter as it burns. And even, in fact, the most interesting thing I found was the ashes and the charcoal like, when you think that it's all burned up and the ashes are falling down, like, that is actually one of the hottest parts. That's where you'll get the most heat from, is what actually is at the end. And if you find the right kind of log, it can burn for two to three hours. So rather than, you know, 20 seconds with paper, if you find the right kind of wood, one log can burn for two to three hours and provide heat, provide light, provide everything that you need for what its intended purpose was. So while both of them will light on fire, they're completely different. One looks like our life whenever we're, woo, I'm on, I'm on fire for Jesus, I'm passionate about Jesus. And you go to work on Monday and you're like, whoo, you need to come to church with me. Oh, we just moved this new building. Oh, it's so awesome. The presence of God is there. You're just going to love it. Oh, you need to sit by me. I'm so passionate about God. And then you come to work on Tuesday and they're like, where did that go? Now you're mean. <laughs> like yesterday you were all passionate for God and you're being real friendly and being real nice. And now it's like, I don't even know if I like you. Yesterday, you had almost convinced me that I needed, yeah, like, okay, yeah, I'm coming. I don't know what you have, but I'm coming. And now I'm like, I don't know that I want to sit by you. You know, like, which, which version am I going to get? I don't know. It looks, a lot of times our life looks like that. We, it's like we have these flashes of passion. It's like we're passionate about the things of God for a moment. And then something happens, and it burns out. And it's because we're, we're, it's like we're building our faith and we're building our life on pieces of paper. And one thing I know about pieces of paper is none of us get around a campfire and say, you know, when I send our kids out, they love, we have a fire pit out back and they love to, you know, put all the stuff in the fire pit so that we can have a fire and do s'mores. And I've never once told them, hey, we're going to do s'mores tonight, and so why don't you go out in the woods and go out in the yard and gather all the paper. Go through the house and get all the paper that you can get so that we can have a lasting fire. You don't do that. You go find wood. You go find the right kind of wood that you know is going to burn and you know is going to last. And many of our lives, too, too often, it's like we're, we're passionate about God. We're on fire for God. And then something happens and it's like, you know, then we, we're like, well, I, was it real? Did that really happen? Did I really, did I really experience his presence on Sunday? Did I really experience his presence whenever we prayed in, in that grow group? Did I really experience his presence? On Tuesday night when we were gathered for youth and they all gathered around because I had a need and they prayed for me, like, was it even real? It's, be, it's because we're, we're building it based on this instead of this. And, and another difference that, I, that is so interesting about this is if you were to try, you can, you can make a fire out of paper. But if you do that, you'll constantly be, we need more paper. We need more paper. Oh, it's already burning out. We need more paper. 
we need more paper. Like, hurry, 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 hurry. We need more paper. We're like, keep the fire going, keep the fire going. And it's like, it's exhausting. And many of our lives, it's like we're trying to keep, like, like I'm trying to, I know I, like I know I should be doing this. I know I should be here. I know I should be doing the right things. I know I should be living for God. I know I and, and it's like we're constantly trying to throw paper to keep a fire going and to keep the fire stoked and to keep the warmth happening and to keep that feeling going in our lives. And to keep, it's like, well, I, like I just need to keep doing that so I can keep feeling close to God and keep feeling close to God and keep feeling close to God. And I just keep doing this. And here's what I know is if you do that for, if you do that for an extended period of time, eventually you'll get weary and tired and exhausted and you'll allow the fire to die because me trying to keep this fire up is too much work and so i don't even want and and this is where many of us find ourselves sometimes when we're in when we're in certain seasons is like we were we were trying to we were trying to make it happen on our own and then it finally got to a point where it was like, I, like I can't do that. And so we just let it die. And we let the fire die. Because it was, it was being built on the wrong thing. It wasn't something that would last. However, with this, if you find the right kind of wood, and even if it only burned, even if a log only burned for 30 minutes or an hour, an hour and a half, I mean, you can get some logs together, and you can create a beautiful fire, and it can burn for a long time. And then occasionally, you know, you just you put another log on there, and you're just enjoying the fire, and you're enjoying the presence of the fire, and, and people gather around, and you have people over, and it's a completely different experience. It's something that will last way longer. It's something that will sustain way longer. And I would ask you before I go on in this message that, to, to take inventory of your, of your faith and of your life right now. And if, maybe, if you feel weary, if you feel like, well, I don't know where, like, I don't feel close to God. Maybe it's because you've been leaning into the wrong thing and you haven't been leaning into him. And what you, what you build the house with, we're talking about a house that lasts, what you build the house with matters, but also who builds the house matters. You're not going to hire somebody to come build you a house who doesn't know what they're doing. And it makes me think about a verse in the Bible that many of us are familiar with, but it's something that Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18. He said, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, I, somebody say I, somebody say Jesus, will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus said, hey, listen, I'm going to build my church, and there's no power in hell that can stop it if I build the church. He didn't say, if you, in your own strength, in your own power, try to do everything just right, that it'll last. No, he said, I'm going to build the church, and if you'll let me be the builder, if you'll let me do the building, it'll last. And not only will it last, all the powers of hell will never, ever conquer it. They'll never put that fire out. A fire that we try to do on our own, that'll eventually go away. But a fire where we've leaned into God and said, you know what, you're going to build the house. You are, like, I'm relying on you. I want to be obedient to you. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm not going to try to do life my own way. I'm going to lean into you, and I'm going to rely on you. And I know that when you build it, that it will last. When you build it, 
it will sustain. And I love this because right after Jesus is praising his heavenly father for revealing truth to Peter, he makes this announcement, and this announcement still applies to us today. And he says, he says it this way. He says, something's coming. Something's coming that is going to be so awesome, no power in hell can stop it. And I can imagine, like, if Jesus was here right now and he said something like that, he's like, hey, I have an announcement. There's something coming that no power in hell will ever be able to stop. We're like, yes. He's coming. You know, it's like Christmas morning. And he says, it's the church. And if I build it, nothing can stop it. So I'm telling you, we have to be a church. And the church, listen, the church is not, we, this facility's great. This facility's not the church. You and I are the church. And we're, the, we're following after Jesus as he builds this thing and as he draws people in. He's building the church, and when he builds it, it's something that'll last. It's a house that'll last forever and no power in hell will ever conquer it thinking about that that campfire and paper burning and all of that i was thinking about paper burning and trying to build the church in our own strength is just like trying to keep a campfire going that's made out of paper it'll wear you out if 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 you are not relying on your heavenly father if you are not praying if you're not seeking the face of God, if you are not putting all of your faith and all of your hope and all of your trust in him, it's exhausting. It's exhausting because we have a real enemy. And he's really trying to defeat you. And like we talked about a few months ago, he's on the prowl. And he's looking for somebody to devour. He's looking for somebody to confuse. He's looking for somebody to distract. He's looking for somebody who's off by themselves that he can, that he can take out. And when we're out trying to, when we're trying to do it our way, when we're trying to do life our way and we're not leaning into God, I would venture to say that eventually it's almost like we'll allow ourselves to be taken out. Because we've placed our hope, we've placed our trust, we've placed our faith, we've placed all of our strength in us and not in him. And he said, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build the church. And you and I are the church, and, he's, and if he builds the church, there's no power in hell that can ever conquer it. Being obedient to the Lord and allowing him to build his church, his way is like building a campfire full of the best wood with extra on standby, right? It's, it burns for a longer period of time. The temperature grows as it burns. As time goes on, it's like it beca- we become more passionate about God. We become more reliant on God. We become, we become more... Uh, you know, putting our faith in God, like our faith grows and it gets stronger. And we realize that, hey, like he's faithful. He's good. He's come through before. He'll come through again. I need to point people to him. You know, you add logs as needed and the fire spreads. And you're not constantly having to just add and add and add and add and add because he's enough. <laughs> we were just singing about that, that he's enough. Many of us, we, we try to add, you know, it's like, well, God, like I believe you're enough, but. Here's a little bit of this. Well, <laughs> well, God, I believe you're enough, but don't you need a little bit of like, don't you need a little bit of me and kind of like my take on things? And 
you know, I have been living on the dirt for just a little bit. You know, I know you're up there, but and we start living our life that way. And God says, no, I'm like, I'm building this thing. I'm doing it. And it'll last if I'm building it. Nothing can overpower it. Nothing can conquer it if I'm building it. No matter how much Satan attacks, the church Jesus is building will win and hell will lose every single time. I love this. I read this this last week, and I thought it was so good. It says, hell's attempt to stop the church's progress is shut down when we execute heaven's authority on earth. Anything that the enemy would try to do to to stop the gospel, to stop the church, to stop people from being reached for Jesus Christ, it gets shut down whenever we execute the authority that we have been given through Jesus on the earth. Whenever we step into it and we say, you know what, I am a child of God and I have the authority that Jesus has given me and I am, I am following after him. And so there is no power. When I'm doing it God's way, it doesn't matter how difficult it is, it, it will fail every single time because no power in hell can overcome or conquer the church that God is building. Not us. This isn't about us. Listen, you're sitting in a building. Th- we couldn't do this. Like, you're sitting next to people right now, like, we couldn't do this. This is only God. It's his faithfulness. It's him building what he wants, and we get to be a part of what he's doing. And so what kind of house or what kind of church we want to be? We want to be a church or a house that lasts. Here's point number two. We want to be a house that's consumed by his fire. I want to read you a story. Uh, It's in 1 Kings 18, and we're going to read several verses, but I want you to hang with me. Because we'll talk about this and kind of bring this all together at the end. But 1 Kings 18, starting in verse 20, says, So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. I believe that's a word for somebody today. That... All the people get together, and Elijah stands in front of them, and he says, how much longer are you going to waver hobbling between two opinions? Can I ask you a question today? How long are you going to keep going back and forth between two opinions? And he says, if God is God, follow him. So maybe today the takeaway for you is you just need to ask yourself, like, do I believe? If God, God, and if God is God, then I'm going to follow him. I'm going to quit wavering and going over here. And Well, maybe this is right. Maybe that's right. No, like there's, there's a truth, and the truth is right. And I believe that God is good, and God is faithful, and he is who he says he is, and so I'm going to follow after him. It goes on. It says, Then Elijah said to him, I am the only prophet of the Lord who has left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of their altar. But without setting fire to it, I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood on the altar, but not set fire to it. Then call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God. And all the people agreed. They're like, man, that sounds like a good plan. So it goes on. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first, for there are many of you. Choose one of the bulls and prepare it and call on the name of your God, but do not set fire to the wood. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, Oh, Baal! Oh, Baal! Answer us! From morning till noontime. About noontime, 
Or no, it's, and then it goes on. I love this part. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced. They thought, oh, you know what we're not doing? We're not dancing while we yell. If we dance while we yell and shout, then he'll hear us, and that's the missing piece. So they start dancing, and it, go <laughs> it goes on. Um, about noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed, for surely he is a god. Perhaps he is daydreaming or is relieving himself. Or maybe he is away on a trip or is asleep and needs to be wakened. Come on, you should read your Bible. <laughs> it's so good. Some of us can relate to this, right? We would be the person sitting there like, you know, maybe he's just going to the bathroom. <laughs> you know, maybe like maybe he's asleep and you just need to wake him up. You just need to shout louder so that he can hear you. He just can't hear you. That's what it is, right? And so they continue. So they shouted louder. And followed their normal custom. They cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice. But still there was no sound, no reply, no response. They did this all day long. From morning till evening. Just dancing, shouting. Maybe we need to get louder all day long. And nothing happened. Nothing Happened. Then Elijah called to the people. He says, come over here. <laughs> Some of us, that's our testimony. We're like, you know, we see somebody and we're like, hey, you need to come over here. <laughs> like I see you over there doing that. <laughs> you just need to come over here. <laughs> and let me show you that, that God is real. Come over here. They all crowded around him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel. And he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. After they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did as he said. And the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. At the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the doves. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw this, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, He is God. Yes, the Lord is God. I love this story for, for quite a few reasons, but I just want to point out just a couple of things really quickly. In the Old Testament, uh, God's people would sacrifice animals. If you've read the Old Testament, you know that you know all of th there would be these rituals and things that they had to do, and they had to find a certain animal for a certain sacrifice or a certain offering or a certain grain and all of these things. And they had to lay this sacrifice down, and they would burn it, and it would be a pleasing aroma to the Lord, right? It would be consumed. However, in the New Testament, the church today, we are called to be a living sacrifice. So in the Old Testament, they had to present a sacrifice. In the New Testament, we're called to present us. In fact, in Romans, we know Romans 12, 1, many of us uh, 
But I want to jump back one verse into chapter 11, verse 36, and start there. It says, for everything, listen to this, everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. Everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. And so, in other words, in light of, because everything exists by his power, intended for his glory, it's all his anyways. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. And look at this last, this last line. This is truly the way to worship him. Sometimes we think that, well, and it is an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship. Lifting our hands is an act of worship. But I love this, this passage that tells us this is, you know what is truly the way to worship him? It's when our life is lived as a sacrifice and laid down for him. Whenever we are a living and holy sacrifice, when we have laid ourselves on the altar and said, not my will, but your will. Not what I want, but what you want. And in this story, they're presenting a sacrifice that is consumed. In, in the church today, we are the sacrifice that needs to be consumed. You are the sacrifice that needs to be consumed. You need to be consumed by his fire. The next thing that I want to I point out is that uh, if you notice in the story, there's something that you can't really understand unless you go back. And we didn't read it, but it's in verse 1. And it simply says that it was the third year of a drought. The third year of a drought. So in chapter 18, verse 1, it starts off and it's telling us it was the third year of a drought. And then we jump down to verses 33 and 34 that we read just a moment ago. It says, Elisha has the people fill four large jars with what? With water. In a drought. think that the people that are there, and he says, you know what, you see these four large jars, you need to go fill them with water. They, they do it. They pour it on there. Then he says, go back and do it again. And they pour it on there. And he says, go back and do it again. And they pour it on there. Now listen, I do believe that Elijah was saying, you know what, I can make this as wet, right? Because wet things don't burn very easily. I can make this as wet as it possibly, as I possibly can. And God's fire is still going to consume this. In other words, he's saying, not only am I going to show you that God's fire can consume this, I'm going to make it to where you see it as impossible that it can even happen, and his fire is still going to consume all of this stuff. So he tells them to get what they have lack of. He tells them to get something that you know they had to be thinking we are in a drought. And this is not like a two-month, it's been July and August, we've been in a drought. They've been in a drought for three years. And you're telling me to get what? You want us to use what? And I was thinking about this, and I felt like the Lord told me that there are many of us that we, we have weariness and fear. And you feel like you are lacking in so many areas. And I feel like the Lord said today that just like he told them to go get something that there was lack, they were in a drought. 
The Lord's saying, if, if, you'll, if you'll bring your weariness and you'll bring your exhaustion and you'll bring your doubt and you'll bring your worry and your fear and all of the things and, that you don't understand and all of that, and if you'll lay that on the altar as a sacrifice, he can consume that too. Because we go on, and I want to I wanna read the, uh, the next part of that. It's verses 38 and 39. It says that immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stone, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, He is God. Yes, the Lord is God. I find it interesting that He not only sends fire to consume the sacrifice, but it consumes everything. Everything. God wants to consume every part of you. Every Everything that you believe... when. Every strength, every weakness. Every fear, every doubt. I, I mean, everything. He wants all of you. He wants to consume all of you. And so today, you can, you can lay everything on the altar. You put yourself on there. You put all your worry on there. You put all your fear on there. You put all the bad things that happened to you on there. Come on, you put all the stupid decisions that you made on there. Oh. All the dumb things that you did on there. He says, if you'll put it all on there, I'll consume every bit of it. And you can burn from the inside out with my fire, and I'll consume everything that needs to be consumed if you'll give it all to me. Give it all to me. Don't hold anything back. Give it all to me. And listen. We have to be a church that is completely consumed by him and by his fire. Not partially, but in every single way. God desires to consume every part of your lives. And he desires to consume it with the kind of fire that knows no limits. The kind of fire that cannot be put out. The kind of fire that spreads rapidly to other people that spreads rapidly to a city, that spreads rapidly to those around us that we work with. He wants to consume us with a fire that will spread to other people. Will you stand to your feet today? I want to show you this picture. Can we throw that picture up on the screen? This is a picture that we took on our last Sunday that we met at Heritage Hall. And so this was on Father's Day. Uh, it's been a few weeks ago. And you may not understand the significance, and, and some of you may have seen us up there taking a picture, and you're thinking, like, why are they taking a picture with that, you know, with that picture of fire? Uh, but I'm going to explain to you the significance of this picture and why we wanted this picture. Uh, we're underneath, that was the fireplace there, and that was the, the fire of, I cannot remember, that it was 19-something. I cannot remember what it was, 1916. So the fire of 1916 that, uh, that consumed a large part of our city. And... Just shortly after we started the church, I mean, I don't, I don't remember exactly how long it was, but it was not very long after, after we planted the church and everything was up and going. There was somebody that came to us that's still, still on our team today. They, they came to us and they said, hey, come over here. I want to I show you something. They brought us over this picture, and I'm going to pretend like this picture is real, okay? So I'm going to walk us over to this picture. They brought us over here to this picture, and, and they said, do you see this fire? I felt like the Lord told me to tell you that just like this fire started in a little area, and it began to spread, and it took over this building. And it took over that building, and it took over that building, and then it took over this whole block, and then it took over this whole street, and then it took over this whole downtown part of the city, 
and then it began to spread into other parts of the city. They said that this picture is what, what God wants for our church. That it would start in just a little bitty, it would start in just a little bitty way, right? Don't despise small beginnings. <laughs> Don't despise small beginnings. That it would start in just a little bitty flame even. Just something that God said, will you step out and do this? Will you just be obedient? And that it would begin to take over this person. And it would begin to take over this person. And it would begin to take over this person. And that you would catch on fire and you would take it to work. And your coworker would catch on fire and they would take it home. And then they would get it and they, they would instill it in their kids. And then their kids would grow up 20 years from now and they'd be living for the Lord. All because this fire just kept on spreading. But here's what you need to understand. And it's this, this last statement that I want to make and then we're going to pray together. Is that what you wish to ignite in others must first burn within yourself. What you wish, come on, there's some of us like, man, I just wish that my, you know, I just wish that my spouse would be here with me. I wish they would just come to church with me. I just wish that, I wish that, you know, they would be as passionate about, about God as I am. I just wish that my coworkers, I'm just working as hard because I feel like I'm the only believer there. I'm the only Jesus follower there. And they're, you know, they give me a hard time all the time. Or I feel like I don't fit in and I just wish that they would come around. Listen, listen, what the, the flame that you want ignited in other people has to first be ignited in you. So if you're desiring that for other people that are in your life, I would ask you to look inward today and say, you know what, am I on fire? Have I allowed God to consume every part of me? That when I just bump into somebody, and they catch on fire. I love the story, I love the story in the Bible where they're just walking through and their shadow hits, <laughs> you know, the shadow passes over him and it's like <laughs> healed. And I heard a story, there was a pastor that said somebody came up to him and, and they asked him, said, hey, I want you to pray for my shadow. And you think about that, and you're like, pray for your shadow, what? And they're like, yeah, like I was reading, I was reading the Bible where, you know, they were walking, and, and, and it's like their shadow would go over them, and something would happen. Like they were so consumed. They were so on fire. They were so passionate. They were so in love with Jesus, and they were so devoted. Come on, it's our word for the year. They were so devoted. Just plug that in there. They were so devoted. <laughs> they were so devoted to the cause of Christ. And spreading the good news. That when it was like they would just bump into somebody. And walk by somebody. Come on, I, I want to be somebody that I walk by somebody and they're like, I'm praying for you. Like you don't even have to say a word. You just walk into the workplace and they're like, <laughs> maybe not just like that, but. <laughs> You walk, you walk, you get around people, and it's just like, I, I don't know what you have, but I want that. Not, not on Monday. I'm, on Monday, I'm passionate, but on Tuesday, I'm not. But no, it's like every single day, I'm just on fire for God. I'm on fire. Like I just, I have to get this news out. I have to tell other people. I have to. Ha I mean, just other people have to know. I want the fire in them, so I have to make sure. Like, ooh, I need to be consumed. I need to be on fire so that that, that it can spread. Everywhere that I go. And that's what God wants for us today. That's what he's about. Is that you would be consumed. That all of the stones, all of the wood, all of the dust, all of the water, everything in your life. That you just let it all down.
ask you to do something. We're going to pray over your prayer right now. And we're going to give you an opportunity. We're going to sing a final song and give you an opportunity to pray. Would you receive prayer? You need to receive prayer for anything in your life. But before we do that, Spirit. 